Well, we're continuing Romans 8, uh, and I hope you guys are ready to get in the Word, because tonight we're getting hardcore into it. Um, we're doing a little refuel style almost, where I'm going to go verse by verse and then just give a quick application at the end. Uh, and it's good stuff, man. God's been working. Uh, I, I was sick last week, so I was able to hear, be here, but I heard Maury did a great job. And he, uh, oh, he got, look at this, he gets claps. Uh, and he spoke on adoption and how we are called the sons of God and we have an inheritance. And because we're called a son, we have this inheritance that is sealed with us with the Holy Spirit. And then the week before that, we talked about um, how you need to respond to the Spirit. All of us have the Holy Spirit, but Paul gave us a great um, a view of how to use it for our lives and how, to, how we're supposed to um, respond to the Spirit for our lives. And so we've had two encouraging messages, and that's what Romans 8 is, man. Romans 8 is nothing but encouraging. Uh, and these next two weeks, just be prepared for God to blow your socks off, because get, they get even better. This week is amazing, and next week when we end, it's going to be phenomenal. Um, I don't know if you guys have had a chance, but um, I've been going through the Devo. The staff has been going through the Devo. My family's been going through the Devo. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, it's been really good. Some of you are nodding your heads. You, I, did you guys like it? it man, well, we, we ordered 120. We're almost out. So if you didn't get one, make sure you get one. They're, they're out um, there on the Welcome Center when you leave. Um, they're really short, and so you can do this with another Devo, or you can just do, the, um, do this on your own and then uh, write like your thoughts in it. It works really well. Um, what I particularly like is that there's a great, like, either church uh, history uh, buffs or church theologians in here that really explain what the verse means. Uh, that's probably my favorite part of this. So make sure you pick one of those up, and if we need more, we'll order more. So uh, so that's that's past two weeks. That's what's happening in the next two weeks. Um, and, again, I apologize. I was sick last week. Man, have you all ever had the flu? Oh, my gosh. I even had a flu shot and everything, and it is rough, Okay. Man, I was, I was done. I was like, I, was, I could not sleep because if I laid down, I felt like I was going to throw up. But if I stood up, I felt like I was going to throw up. Um, I, I had a constant headache. My body just ached. Annie couldn't do anything. I was walking around the house going, oh, because I don't want to lay down. And I felt like a zombie. And she's like, lay down. I'm like, I don't want to. She's like, what can I do for you? I was like, nothing. Just leave me alone. You know what I mean? I was, I was just that sick. You know, you know when you get that sick? It was, it was bad, yo. Like, it was horrible. And I was just done. I was like, God, take me away. Not like literally like, you know, take my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> but like, I was like, I was done with this body. I'm like, God, take care of this body. All right, I just can't handle it anymore. I am weak. I'm still weak. I got my chair in case I need to sit down. And it's like, I was done with it. Like, I was just so angry. I was just like, God, please just take this away. It hurts so bad. Three days straight on the couch and nothing but pain. You know, it was, it was rough. Um, and I feel like at this time of the semester that happens to us, we, we say we're done. You know what I mean? We got three weeks left. Sorry to remind you if you didn't know that. Um, <laughs> um, we are, uh, but it's like, we're done. We're done with dumb, dumb people on campus. We're done with, we're done with professors. We're done with uh, the registrar's office. We're done with financial aid. We're done with work. We're done with squirrels. Oh, yes, I've been done with squirrels. <laughs> Cats, I've been done with my whole life. And so, <laughs> just kidding. And so, <laughs> but, you know, we just get to that point. What does that sound? <laughs> it, oh, okay. It's a what? Oh, okay. I was like, what? Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow night. But uh, all right. <laughs> um, gives you a little break to the end of the week. Sorry, back to this. So a lot of times we just feel done. We're just ready to be done with this semester. And, you know, sometimes our grades are suffering at this point in semester. A lot of times we don't want to work and we're just having a bad attitude at work. A lot of times, you know, we're just skipping class because we're like, I'm done with that class. Uh, I don't think I need to study more. I hope I don't. You know what I mean? Um, but we just, and then we start just complaining, don't we? We just start getting, we just start getting, oh man, I just can't wait for this semester to end. I'm ready to be done. I'm ready, I'm ready to go home, I'm ready to have a good summer, I'm ready to chill for a little bit before I have to come back to summer classes, all this stuff like that. And we just act like we're in such pain. 
you know, that we're suffering, that everything is going wrong in our life because we're at the last three weeks of the semester, which is possible if you've messed up the whole semester, that could happen. Um, (laughs) You know, and so I feel like tonight's message is really applicable because Paul really talks to us about what it means to suffer. Uh, You know, and you're like, wait, when I'm done, how does that equal suffering? A lot of times when we're suffering, we give up. We don't want to keep fighting. We, 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 we get stuck in our dorm room. We get stuck in our apartment. And we're just like, you know what? I'm, I'm skipping today. I'm going to take a mental, health, a mental health day. You know what I mean? It's like I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to not do anything I want to do. And we just kind of say, because I need this time. I'm suffering. You know? And then some of us are legitimately suffering. Some of us have some seriously bad grades where we think we're not going to get our scholarship next semester. You know what I mean? Some of us are legitimately suffering because some, some family member has, a, has cancer. Some of us are legitimately suffering because we've got a, an ailment that, we can, that God has just given us that we cannot get rid of and no medicine will cure it. Some of us are suffering where we really have no money that we're not, we're not going to be able to go to Taco Bell after this. You know what I mean? And it's like, and some of, some of us are legitimately suffering, you know? And so Paul talks to all these areas in this section. And originally this message wasn't going this way when I started it. I was going to talk all about how the, the Holy Spirit's the intercessor. But as I learned this text and I read this text, which has one of the most famous texts, Romans 8, 28, that we're going to talk about tonight, it changed my view of what God is doing in my life when it comes to suffering. It's so interesting. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 8. We're going to be in verses uh, uh, 18 through 30 tonight. That's not my Bible. All right. All right. So Paul starts out with, yet we suffer. And pause right there. We just talked about, Amori ended with suffering. The last verse he ended with, it says, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering talking about how Christ is persecuted and as Christians will be rejected. So now we're switching over to the future glory, to this section of text about what suffering means for the future glory. So yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Pause and take that in real quick. What, Paul? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. The suffering now that we're, is nothing compared to the glory we're going to be revealed to us later? Now, look who's saying this, first of all. This is Paul who told all the Corinthians, you know, that even though he's suffering, he's looking forward to the future glory of what that means is going to heaven and being in complete peace with Jesus. Um, because he's been through shipwrecks. He's been through beatings. He's been through um, lack of food. He's been through, man, you name it, he's been through it. And here he's saying, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Paul is trying to get us ready for what he's about to say because what he's about to say is so stinking cool. Um, he's trying to say, listen, stop focusing on the now. That's what we do, don't we? We love focusing on the now. It was three days I was on the couch. That's nothing compared to eternity, isn't it? You know what I mean? I can't wait to get my future body in glory when it's like, when it's like, dang, look at Raul. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and it's like the perfect body. It's like amazing. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, Second Corinthians four seventeen tells us a little bit about this. Did I just make you laugh? Sorry. All right. Uh, for our <laughs> hey, I'm drugged up. I can say whatever I want. All right. So, for our present troubles. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. I just want to encourage you, as we continue tonight, whatever you're dealing with, it's nothing compared to the glory we're going to get when we meet Jesus in heaven face to face. You know what I'm saying? Uh, It's going to be peace, joy, no more disease, no more stupid people. It's going to be amazing. I just cannot wait. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, that was free. I kind of went crazy there. Um. Verse 19, for all creation is awaiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Now, some of your texts might say sons of God there. That's talk, reverting back to what Maury talked about last week, the adoption. Uh, if you're a follower of Christ, you made a son of God, which means you are inheritance, you're a part of God's family, 
praise the Lord, he's adopted this random brown boy into this family. You know what I mean? Because that means no matter what I do, I'm with God. You know, amen. You know, and that's what he's talking about. When God will reveal who his children really are. That's at the end of time is when everybody will be revealed. Everyone will be risen back to have their perfect bodies as we talked about. Verse 20. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. This is weird. Here Paul is personifying, verses 19 through 22, creation. Like all of creation. The trees, the weather, animals, all of creation. And he's saying, against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. What does that mean? That means back when Adam and Eve sinned, and that sin entered the the world, it didn't just affect us. It affected everything. Every single part that this world was supposed to be perfect, it corrupted. And sin deceived everything. To where now we have tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, famines, poverty. Man, we've got disease. We've even got death because of the sin. And that, that's why, we, you, know, what, you know, when someone's like, oh, you're such a tree hugger when you're, you're, you're trying to be green. That's the right thing to do to take care of God's earth. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you see an animal that's getting covered in an oil spill, that poor, that poor otter, is, I know it's like a little otter, but he's like, poor otter is groaning with creation because he's hurt because of what's sin in the world. And we don't care because of our selfishness. Isn't that interesting? You know? And it's like here with, it says, God, it was, creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. You know what that tells me? There's a day coming. There's a day coming, right? When we can be free from death and decay. Where we will be in heaven in eternity and we don't have to worry about this junk. You know what I mean? And creation is waiting for that day because when that day comes, this earth will be restored to the way it was like the Garden of Eden. Perfection. Man, how cool would it be to see that? You know? I can't wait. Um, Verse 22. He continues on with this. He says, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Again, personifying it, giving it the the pains of childbirth. That's pretty rough, man, because back then they ain't got no medicine. You know? And so all you hear is screaming. And it's because it's such pain. And so that's that's what he's likening it to. They're in that much pain. Creation is in that much pain. And you're like, it's a tree, Raul. I'm like, I don't know. That's what God says, okay? So I'm going to believe it. Um, so uh, sin causes all this. Now we go into verse 23. Now here's where it comes back. Paul brings it back to us, but here's where it gets stinking cool. For we, um, and we believers also groan. Okay? So we're, we groan. We're in pain because of sin. I'm, right now I'm, I'm standing, but I'm hurting. You know, stuff like that. I'm, we're in pain. Suffer, suffer, suffer. Wah, wah, wah. You know? Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he promised us. That verse is so long and there's so much stuff in it. Um, so, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste. Some of you in your Bible say first fruits. This is like a little taste of what God's going to do for us in glory. We have the Holy Spirit now, just like we talked about the past two weeks, where, where we've got the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead living in us. And it gives us a little hope. And it gives us a little, a little encouragement, doesn't it, to know that if we've got God with us, where the Holy Spirit comforts us now, and he lets us know Jesus is right next to us, amen. And if just right now for a little bit, we get that comfort every once in a while. Can you imagine when we get to heaven what it's going to be like? Our, our bodies will no longer deal with cancer. Our bodies will no, and Jesus will be walking with us all the time. Our bodies will never be hungry. I don't just think and eat bad food like Taco Bell and worry about it. You know what I mean? It's like, praise the Lord. 
You know, it's going to be absolutely incredible. And he's saying, stop worrying about now. Stop worrying about the suffering you're in. Yeah, it sucks. It does. But stop worrying about it. It's, not, it's nothing compared to the glory that we're going to have when we have, um, when we have our, our whole bodies back to us again. Um, I want to read you a verse because uh, in Ephesians 1.14, it talks about how the Holy Spirit is, a, you know, how Paul says the Holy Spirit's a little taste of what's going to be like in heaven. He also talks about how the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. It's our seal that we're going to be in heaven forever. Get this. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Man, let me read that again. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. That's awesome. So that means if you have the Holy Spirit now, which we learned two weeks ago, that if you're a follower of Christ, you get the Holy Spirit, which means that's your seal to get your inheritance. And what's your inheritance? That we talked about last week, heaven. And the Holy Spirit now and God with you now. God with you always. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And that's just a little taste. And then it goes on to say in, um, in Philippians uh, 3, it says, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Listen to this. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into the glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Man, can you, I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait for that day. Can you all wait for that day? Man, I'm ready for it now. I told you after the flu, I was ready for it then. I was done, you know? And it's like, I, can't, I just cannot wait for that day when I can run and not get winded. You know what I mean? I just cannot wait for that day walking upstairs and I'm good to go. I cannot wait for that day where I can praise God and not get tired. You know what I'm saying? I just can't wait. I know, sorry, these are a couple selfish things, you know? Uh, but it's like, I just can't wait for, for this day. Um, and that's what Paul is telling you about. He's constantly saying, stop worrying about your suffering. What you're going through, is it stinks. But for the rest of your life, focus on God's glory and what he's going to do for you for the rest of your life. Now, verse 24 and 25 helps kick us in, into the second part of this. Uh, but it's, it's really the tail end of this section. I know it's very confusing. You'll understand it when I read it. All right, here we go. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. If you haven't figured it out yet, Paul is very confusing. He just loves to be confusing. I'm like, what the heck? So after some digging, after some understanding, what he's saying is, we have this hope, but we can't see it. And because we can't see it, sometimes we forget about it. And because we forget about it, we focus on our suffering. And when we focus on our suffering, we miss out on the glory God has for us now that he's prepared for us in the future. Instead, let's reverse that. Let's stop focusing on our suffering, and let's focus on this hope we've been given in the Holy Spirit in us. So we can remember every day that God is with us, and that God will never leave us or forsake us. Nothing can snatch us out of his hand, right? And so let's focus on that. So that we can, have, we can wait patiently and confidently. Because as we suffer, the Holy Spirit is going to help us. And that's what this next verse is, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. That was easy, right? Plain and simple. But here it gets better. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Okay. Have you ever been praying and just... You just don't know what to pray for. Or you just wonder if God even hears you. You know what I mean? You're just sitting there and you're just like, okay, I'm going to let you into my prayer life. Sometimes I get so frustrated with life that this is me. And I'm like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And that's a prayer. And I was like, okay, first it took me a while because I'm like, that's not some secret prayer language. Don't work around grunting. You know what I mean? But I'm praying. No, you're not. All right. (laughs) But it's like, but what that's saying is no matter what is going on in your head, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. 
no matter what is going on with your body and how bad it's suffering, the Holy Spirit speaks to God for you all the time, especially when you don't know what to say. You're like, but I, but I use words. No, no, let me, let me explain that. We pray selfish prayers, don't we? We, we pray arrogant, narrow-minded prayers a lot of times. You know what that, that's what this is telling me? Even when we pray those very selfish, narrow-minded prayers, the Holy Spirit prays what's according to God's will for us. And so when you're suffering, the Holy Spirit's praying for you, even though you might say, Lord, heal me. The Holy Spirit might be praying something like, use this for your glory, God, in, in Raul's life. This flu, I don't know, you know, we don't know what it's for. Well, the Holy Spirit does. But, you know, I'm speaking as Raul is the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't smite me, God. Um, but it's like, Raul doesn't know what to pray for. He thinks he knows what to pray for. But what he's praying for is for him just to feel better. But we know that this is going to be for your glory, God. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been to that point where you're just like, I'm so tired. I, I've been praying for this one thing forever and I get no answer. The Holy Spirit continues to pray for you for it. Do you know how encouraging that is? To know that my words cannot mess up a prayer. I've sat with certain people and I've asked them to pray and they look at me and go, I don't know how to. You don't have to. Okay, this, this gives us an out. Now, not an out of not to pray, but an out of no matter what, God hears you. No matter what you're thinking, no matter what you're suffering with, no matter what you're dealing with, God hears you. It's perfect how this goes with suffering. And this whole section text right before it, how the Holy Spirit groans for us with words. We, can't, we get a little taste of what it's like behind the scenes. Uh, he, the Holy Spirit groans to God, and it is God, so he knows it's part of his will, as it says. It says, the, um, let's see, but the Holy Spirit prays for us in groans that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Wait, wait, wait. So when you pray, you're praying in God's will even if you don't think you are. That's mind-boggling. That's so cool. That means the Holy Spirit is taking care of you no matter what happens. No matter what happens, even if you think you've said the wrong prayer, the Holy Spirit takes care of you if you're a follower of Christ and you're living for Him. How amazing is that? That we can't mess this up. God constantly puts stuff in our lives that we can't mess up. But wait, it gets better. Okay, here we go. Check this out. Check this out. Verse 28 is the, probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I've heard that verse a lot. I want to read it again. All right. <laughs> and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I don't know about you guys, but every time I read that verse, my mind gets blown. Why? Let me, let me break it down. Three things. Three words. If you, have your, if you underline your Bibles, dude, you need to circle, highlight, underline the junk out of, this, out of this, this verse. But three words I want you to specifically uh, box is what I do in my Bible when I, after I've underlined like three times. All right. <laughs> and we know that God causes everything. That's the first word, everything. Okay, so everything to work out for our good. Everything. Do you understand what that means? Every single thing, good and bad, God causes to work out for our good. Whoa. For those who love him? That doesn't make sense. Wait, so even the bad stuff God can use? Yes, he doesn't cause. He doesn't cause bad stuff to happen. He uses it. Kind of like, um, you know Joseph, how he got thrown in the well? And then he got sold and all this crap happened. But in the end, he ended up being able to run Egypt for God in a pagan society. And, he, and his brothers come and apologize. We are so sorry. We didn't know what we were doing. We're young. We're arrogant. We're stupid. We didn't know what we were doing. And he's like, hey, hey shut your face. Listen, all right? What you meant for evil... 
God used for good. How cool is that to hear that and to know that even though we suffer and we have this crap in our lives, God can use it for good. I don't know why he's going to use the flu. I have no clue in my life, all right? But he promises me he'll use it for good. That's encouraging to me. That makes me go nuts. That, that, that makes me want to celebrate God and sing, you won't relent. That makes me sing, you know, until you have it all. You know, that's what makes me sing that song. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Second word. Um, good. So not only does he make everything work out, he makes everything work out for the good of those who love God. That's me. That's you. That's anybody who believes in Jesus. Oh, snap. That's stinking cool. For my good. That doesn't mean for just Jacob's good. That doesn't mean just for Amber's good. That means for all of our good. He, he sees the big picture where we don't see it. God's ways are not our ways. And so he's up there looking. He sees all this. He sees that them randomly practicing. He sees, you know, the, the football team stinking. And he sees all this stuff like that. You know what I mean? I'm like, come on, man. I'm ready for them. I've been talking to Matt Floyd. I'm like, we got to do better this year. He's like, I know. All right. And so, but he sees all of this. He sees the big picture. And he's using all of it for our good. I know the world doesn't revolve around me. And sometimes I like to think that. But God really cares about us. Like, he really cares about us. He loves us so much that he uses everything for our good. How amazing is that? <coughs> if that doesn't encourage you and blow your mind, man, that's awesome. All right, third thing. Um, this one's like a section of text. Those who love God. The reason that is so important is a lot of people quote this verse without that part. And unfortunately, he only does this for those who love God. And so if you're rebelling against God, you can't claim this verse. But if you are for God, you can easily claim this verse. And you can claim this verse all the time because that's, that's the only thing that keeps us sane sometimes, isn't it? When, when you're suffering. When you're like, I don't know, God, why you're doing this, but you tell me you're going to use it. I'm not so sure about that, but you tell me. You know what I mean? You know, I'm not sure why I got that double zero on that test. You know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, you got to use that somehow, God. I don't know if it's going <laughs> to create perseverance in me or what, but you got to do something about this, God, you know? Hey, he promises right here. It's not me, it's God. You can't blame me. All right, that's the good part about the Bible when I just read it. You know what I mean? All right, <laughs> it's like it says it right there. All right, now here's now here's the crazy part. It gets better. You see, the next two verses get even better. Verse 29 and 30. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and having called them, he gave them right standing, some of your Bibles say justified, with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them <coughs> excuse me, his glory. Okay, so here's where this gets really cool. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to get into the whole predestination thing. If you want to talk to me about that later, that's fine. But there's some key things in this text that are amazing. Five specific verbs or actions that God gives us. Uh, he knew us. So <clears throat> let me explain that. He knew us. So he knew all of us before time. The Bible says he, he knows the amount, the number of hairs on our head. He knew all of us. Every single person, Christian, non-Christian, he, he created all of us. And then it says he chose us. Now, he chose us. He chose certain people uh, is what some people think. Some other people think he chose the human entire race to bring the gospel to, which is what I believe. You know, and, so, and, then he, and then he called. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Called, the actual meaning behind this is responded to him, to his calling, responding to his choosing. 
responding to him, calling out to you and following you and not relenting after you, never giving up on you, never stopping, never ending love for you. And you saying, I choose you, God. I am your, your follower and I'm not your fan any longer. That's what, it, that's what uh, called means. And then after called, it says right standing or justified. This means we are given a right standing before God. Sin is no longer separating you from God. You've been given new clothes, clothes of righteousness from Jesus Christ by the grace of God. Okay, so that's justified. Now, here's where it gets cool, glorified. Now, we just talked about glory in the previous verses. We're not getting that until we get to heaven. But yet, Paul is speaking about this in the past tense. It says, technically we're not in glory yet. But, it is, but Paul is so sure, and God is using it here because of how sure that it is promised to us. Um, what a great passage on eternal security, some uh, theologian wrote. You see, God doesn't miss anyone he has called. In John 6.37, it says, Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. And so he never lets you go. You know what blows my mind? There's no word some in those last two verses. Some of the people who respond will get justified. Some of the people who respond will be glorified. It's every single person. And so if you're a follower of Christ and you've responded and you've given your life to him, you're, you're made right in front of God, which means you, his, your sin is no longer held against you. You are free to come into heaven. You get the Holy Spirit now. And you're glorified. And he's so sure of it. Paul is so sure of it because we've been sealed by the inheritance of the Holy Spirit that we already have it, that he speaks to it in past tense. But we will be back to our full new bodies in front of Jesus Christ, covered in grace. That just makes me smile. I don't know about you guys. That's stinking amazing. Listen to what, um, I forgot who wrote this, but uh, this quote. They're all written in the past tense to stress the certainty of fulfillment. Because he who has begun a good work will complete it. The use of tense is borrowed from Hebrew prophecy, which often writes in the past tense. It is as good as done because in the mind of God it has been done. Wow. Wow. That sometimes hurts less, you know, that helps you with the double F. You know what I mean? Or the double zero. That sometimes. Um, from being known about to being glorified, our sanctification is in God's hands and not our own merit. It does not rely on our own faithfulness. Here's what else that blows me away. We can't mess that up. We're, we've been justified and we will be glorified. And there's nothing we can do to mess it up if we are a follower of Jesus Christ. You know that? Again, some is not in there. Now, yeah, we might slip away sometimes. Yeah, we might feel like, you know, we, we're not following God, but that doesn't mean he ever let go of you. Isn't that encouraging? We're stupid, all right? We mess up. You know what I mean? I, I, I mess up all the time, and yet I know that it does not rely on my own faithfulness. You see, because we couldn't live up to his standard. You see, we can't save ourselves. We, uh, we'd have to be perfect, and we're not. We already know that. We must conclude that we are responsible to live godly lives, but, we're, but we are not able to do so apart from the work of the Holy, the cross and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what that means is we can't mess it up, but we're still responsible to live godly lives. And why do we need to do that? Because that's part of his will. You see, if you go back to that section of text, it tells you what God's will is for your life. Want to know the secret? Go back. All right, here we go. Verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. There it is. I just told you the secret of life. All right? That's God's will for your life. Whenever you ask God for his will, that's it, to become more like his son. What? Okay. 
I know that that doesn't answer your, what am I supposed to do with my major? Am I supposed, what major am I supposed to pick? It doesn't answer those questions. But if you understand this, you understand suffering, you understand the Holy Spirit, you understand your role in life, and everything you're supposed to do that points to God, whether you're an engineer or a nurse or whatever the heck you are. God uses you to become more like his son so that other people see that. And so it, here, here's the cool part. So there's this story of, a, um, of this kid, right? And he's watching this sculptor. He's got a giant, like, marble slab. It's about this big. And he, the, the guy's just chiseling away. He's like, what the heck? You know what I mean? He's just chiseling a giant piece of stone. But then all of a sudden, he sees, like, the shape of an eye, right? He sees the shape of a nose. He sees a mouth, some teeth. And all of a sudden, he sees this really large hat. And he's like, that's Abraham Lincoln. Master, the sculptor's like, yeah, you're right. He's like, how did you do that? The sculptor smiles. And he says, all I had to do was chisel away everything that doesn't look like Abraham Lincoln. And so many times, we don't realize it, but with suffering, that's what God's doing with us. He's chiseling away the stuff that doesn't look like Jesus. Because that's his will for our life, is to become more like God's son every day. That when we feel a little pain in our side, when we feel a little hurt, when we suffer, when we complain, that's God chiseling away what doesn't look like Jesus. Isn't that cool? Like, God is this master sculptor who cares enough to work with us day by day, minute by minute, instead of being this remote thing and leaving everything to chance or to fate or to destiny. We have a God who chisels us every day. Now you're like, chisel. No, not that kind of chisel. All right. But, like, he chips away the things that don't look like Jesus, the things that look like, that, that sometimes we like to call, that, that we just say developed character. You can't buy that. You can read as many books as you want, but nothing creates that in you except for when you're in the heat of the moment and how you respond, right? Because, you see, when you respond to to something that God is chiseling away, that's how you develop perseverance. That's how you develop faith. That's how you develop everything that looks like Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? Uh, I heard a quote one time um, at a Catalyst conference. It says, um, a leader values every response they give. And I feel like for us Christians, that's very applicable. Every response we give determines if we responded to the, chip, the chipping away or the chiseling away, or we didn't. <coughs> Excuse me. So let me, let me give you some four things just to wrap up of what uh, we can learn from this section of text. Um, the first thing uh, that we can learn from this section of text about suffering is God's will is for us to become more like his son. Um, this is a big deal. We are always asking, what is God's will for my life? But now you know. Um, But he shapes us more and more into what he wants us to look like every day. But he does that by giving us a right standing before him because that allows us to be in his glory. So amazing. Second thing, suffering is to make us more like Jesus. Oh, that's not what you expect to hear tonight, huh? You're like, that's, that's, no. (laughs) Suffering is in the world because of our sin. Plain and simple. Our selfishness is what causes suffering. But you see, what I love is that God uses that to chip away at everything that doesn't look like his son. Um, you can't buy that. You can't learn that. You just got to deal with it of how God teaches you it. Um, but here, here's, some, here's some things that will hopefully help you. Uh, for example, when, you, when, you deal, when you're in the middle of the suffering and how you respond, you've got to take captive what happens after you suffer. How much did you complain? Uh, how much did you push through and trust God with? Did you lose it or did you keep it? That really determines how suffering is to making you more like Jesus, is your response. Three, 
We've been, giving the whole, we've been given the Holy Spirit to help us until our future glory comes. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.5 5 says, God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. He intercedes for us by aligning our prayer to, God, to God's will without us even realizing it. God's will is done in our lives through the Holy Spirit alive in our hearts. Um, he guarantees us that God will never let go. In fact, he says that we've already have God's glory. Like I said in the past tense, it is so sure that God, that, that Paul tells us that here in, uh, at the end of uh, chapter um, 8, verse 30. Um, number four, all of this is part of God's plan. All of the suffering you go through, all the good stuff you go through, it's never out of God's grasp. He knows what's happening. It is so encouraging to know that God's plan is to work for my good. When he chips away what is bad, it is part of the larger plan. It hurts, but I know that he is using it to help the kingdom grow and proclaim his name. <clears throat> I might not see it, but somehow God uses it. Kind of like how he used Judas, Judas's choices to send Jesus to the cross, but brought righteousness for everybody. Isn't that interesting? I was reading an article today about how uh, someone says, oh, Judas was just a tool for God. No, God used Judas's choices to go against God to bring about righteousness for everyone. That's amazing. So suffering seems bad, but nothing is compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us when we get to heaven and when we get there. Um, Until then, we have the Holy Spirit. He helps us cry out to God when we're suffering. He helps us understand that God's will is for us to look more like his son. This means we'll have to go through times of suffering because that chipping away of what doesn't look like his son will hurt. But in the long, long run, it's going to give us glory like God's. And so, here, okay, here's the bottom line. Here's what I want you to get, no matter what, this week. God is for you, plain and simple. I kept it simple because I was like, do you understand this whole section of text just nothing says nothing but that God is for you? Isn't that amazing? The God of the universe, the creator who made every single person, all this stuff, developed sound. I'm like, that just blows my mind. It's for you. Sorry, I told you I'm really random tonight. <laughs> my brain, if you can see what's inside, you'll be terrified. All right? <laughs> um, but that God is for you. You know what I mean? Like, he is for you. Even though we suffer, even though we have struggles, we know that God is for us no matter what. Creation is waiting for the day when we are completely in glory with God and everything is restored to how it was supposed to be before sin entered. God wants that. He wants everyone to be a part of that. So I want you to be encouraged because God is with you. Never forget that this week. The Holy Spirit living inside you, that's God with you. And he's for you. 